It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And what's up? Welcome in West Mitchell, Chris Clark, GC Live Monday episode, rolling right into SEC Media Days, the unofficial start of preseason football. I would say, when when does when does talking season begin and end, Chris? Like I, I've never, I've never heard an actual definition. To be honest, I feel like in some ways SEC Media Days. I mean, it's definitely part of talking season. However, was the entire offseason talking season? Or is talking season only when you start getting into, like, the actual preseason? I think there's phases to this. So, generally, uh, any non-playing season, so September to December is your playing season. Anything that's not that. I think it's technically talking season, but I, I think because you'll hear something, you know, somebody will say something or put out a lit, like somebody will put out a top 25 for 2024 and they'll do it the day after the college football playoff, you know? And then the response is, well, it's talking season. I I tend to think um, it really begins in earnest the beginning of fall camp. So it'll be right Next month, here, a couple weeks, a couple weeks, I think we will officially be in talking season, like in earnest. I guess you could count media days. I guess you could count July. To me, I think when the calendar flips to August, boom, it's talking season. Is that See, I, feel, I feel like if if the start of preseason is going to be talking season, like practice, then I feel like SEC media days has to count. Like I feel like this yeah, is – it can. This is kind of, or at least this is an appetizer for the real thing. This, this is, is your, like Advent. Like, I'm your, your, yeah. Your final opportunity for all the other media people to ask the coaches all the questions the local people have already asked them all offseason for them to get yes. the same answers, basically. Yeah. Yes. Little jaded towards SEC media days, to be honest. But we're going to talk about it. And Chris, Tonka Hemingway receiving some love today from the senior bowl folks so i thought that would be a good just jump start for us to do our d-line breakdown we're going to try to before the season's over have hit every single position here on gc live so we'll hit d-line today but first going to tell you about our friend clint hammond of movement mortgage 803-771-6933 if you're in the market for a new home or if you want to buy a new home and have never been through the process before, Clint is there to help you through that entire process. Obviously, rates are up, down, sideways, all over the place. Mostly up these days compared to what we saw a couple of years ago. But if you want a new home, Clint will help walk you through what different products may be available for you. Again, as always, ClintHammond.com, 803-771-6933. Tell them that we sent you. Um, 
Chris, so first of all, I guess to get it out of the way, Malcolm Ziegler to North Carolina. Let's, I guess, do a little, I, I guess, post-breakdown on this. We won't go long on it. My, my thought, first of all, North Carolina continues to prove to be difficult in their home state for a prospect that they want. This is one where I think on the surface – it, it did feel like North Carolina was in a good spot for a while, and North Carolina certainly had confidence there for a while, but there was enough during this last week or so to sort of, uh, I guess, perk our eyebrows up and make you say, are, are the Gamecocks possibly going to play spoiler here? He did have a good visit to South Carolina on his official, um, was being heavily worked by South Carolina's committed guys, as we've seen throughout the recruiting process. And was obviously a major target for them. Man, a guy they really liked, I think. Excellent player. I, I personally think On3 has got it right. On3 is much higher on him than the rest of the recruiting industry. That was something, if he had picked South Carolina, we were going to dive into why that is with Charles Power. But, alas, he goes to North Carolina, commits to UNC today. And, um, you know, to be honest, I, I think a really, really good pickup for those guys. They got to by all indications, a, a good kid and good player. Yeah, and it's been interesting. That this recruitment was interesting to follow, Wes. Very first official visit for this summer was to South Carolina, as you mentioned. He skipped a week, and then he went to Notre Dame and North Carolina on consecutive weekends. And it looked like, really, as you followed this thing, that probably all three of those schools took a turn at the top. Um, it looked like, you know, South Carolina – after the visit, you felt like, okay, South Carolina is probably in the best shape here, but it's too early to know because he does have those other two visits looming. Notre Dame seemed to be in good shape by all indications after their official, and then it was North Carolina's turn. After all those visits, it kind of seemed to settle some. Notre Dame was then out, and then it became between the Tar Heels and Gamecocks. And, Wes, to take people kind of behind the curtain a little bit, I mean, I think you and I are on the same page with this. We weren't really heavily tracking Malcolm Ziegler for a good while, right? Like probably end of June through the first week or so of July, we, we knew he had a decision coming up and we were kind of going, it's probably North Carolina. Last week, I want to say it was Tuesday, so about six days ago, kind of started to get some indications of, well, South Carolina is still in this thing. And more specific info too, right? Not just a guess, not just him liking a tweet on social media or tweeting something, something like that. A little bit more specific than that. And, um, you know, it was enough to track it more. Um, weren't sure. New North Carolina was obviously out there. Knew that they had been in the best position, but enough to track it going into decision day. Did not go South Carolina's way. What I can say is it looks like South Carolina gave it a good ride. Um, not that that's going to make anybody feel better. But I wanted to say that because sometimes after these guys commit elsewhere, you'll hear it, it kind of, he was never considering South Carolina. He was never going to come here. And, and I really don't think that was the case. I think he heavily considered South Carolina in the end. Picks the Tar Heels. Um, Gamecocks have a good DB class going so far. A couple safety types in this class. David Busey. Kelvin Hunter, and then Braden Lee, who's more of a corner. This would have been a great addition to the class, no doubt about it. Doesn't go their way today. Yeah, it would have been a nice cherry on top, I think, at that safety spot. And, um, you know, and on some other guys, we'll see where it goes. We'll see what happens. 
just lots of I mean, I've I've tried to warn people, man. There, there are some tight battles down the stretch, and some where South Carolina's trying to play spoiler, which I again that's the way I describe this one. And some you look at like a Jonathan Paler, where I think NC State is kind of trying to play spoiler for South Carolina. And so you, you've got just tight battles that are, are down the stretch. That's what happens when you recruit good players. And Gamecock fans are going to have to just mentally prepare themselves that, um, you know, they could go their way or they could not go their way. And this one obviously did not. Probably ends up going big picture where it appeared to be going for the longest amount of time. But, again, there was enough kind of down the stretch to think that South Carolina could possibly pull the upset, I think, is the best way to frame it up. Um, Chris, let's go ahead and dive into defensive line. I I thought that – I thought – I don't want to say it's the first time we've seen Taka Hemingway receiving national love. That's probably not the case at all. But it's always interesting when you sort of see some of the national national stuff start to kind of pick up in line with what the people who are watching a player – every single week see and every year you start to sort of see upperclassmen that kind of start to get on that NFL radar and on the radar of the national guys who are tracking things from an NFL perspective and that was the case today with Jim Nagy who um, is uh, basically runs the senior bowl he's the executive director and some really high praise for Tonka in a tweet today um, I'm going to skim through it here for everybody. He uh, basically said how much NFL teams value athletic defensive tackles, who can rush the quarterback, and um, that he really thinks Taka Hemingway is a sleeper name in terms of a third down pass rush skill set at that position. Um, mentions him affecting the passer from multiple alignments. Says he's more disruptive on tape than his four sacks might indicate. I think we've said that before. And um, also brings up how uh, he is a, quote, fun athlete with smaller man movement, bounce, and coordination. We see all that from the way South Carolina uses him on special teams as well. And goes on to mention something that I think we talk about quite a bit with Tonka is the fact he played and excelled at three sports in high school and was uh, very productive on the academic side as well. And something I also think is easy to forget, He's got some some NFL bloodlines and that he is uh, Junior Hemingway's brother. So, Chris, a lot going for Tonka. We've known that for a while locally. And what was just cool to see a guy who I think doesn't really put himself out there, uh, you know, does, doesn't read, never seems to read his own pr- uh, press clippings, I think. Kind of cool to see him start to get a, a little bit of national love. Um, I, uh, was told an anecdote this week about Tonka that I can't share yet, but let me just say it just illustrated how selfless this guy is. Um, he is just, he's pretty much the model of what you want a guy to be. And, um, I'm, I'm glad he got the call to be able to go to media days and be a representative for Shane Beamer for the Gamecocks. I think he's well deserving of that. And he, he's just one of those situations where you get a model citizen, a, a great kid, and then a really, really good player. And he has really flown under the radar, I think, Wes, even locally. 
like nationally, yes, even locally has probably flown under the radar a little bit. I think he was Carolina's best defensive lineman last season also. And that includes some good players like Zach Pickens, who was a mid-round NFL draft pick. Um, I think Tonka was the most disruptive. He's very versatile to play inside and outside for you, as Jim Nagy pointed out. The numbers are there, but I think his impact is a lot greater than what you see there on the numbers. Wes, he pointed out a couple of the plays, too, that highlighted his athleticism. I was thinking through it. I'll probably forget some Tonka plays, but I think even more impressive was uh, out of the kind of trick plays that he was a part of, that bandy catch was really something else on the fake field goal. He's got a guy hanging all over him, draws a, a DPI call, still catches the football, and uh, and brings it down to, to convert a first down. Su- super impressive athlete and well-deserving, I think, of accolades. I'm glad that maybe this is a sign that national folks, folks in scouting circles might come around a little bit more to Tonka Hemingway. And I think it probably is a sign of this, man. It's kind of, in some ways, there's actually a lot of carryover from recruiting to the way the draft works, or at least the draft coverage works. And it doesn't always mean you're going to necessarily be a high pick. But I, I do think there's a little snowball effect, just like when a guy gets his first big offer, people start to take a little bit stronger look. And I've also noticed people don't want to have missed the boat on a guy. So if one of these national sort of big-name people start to talk about someone, then it seems like you start to see mentions elsewhere. Uh, sometimes it's stuff where you're just like, yeah, we all already knew that. But in, in this case, I, I thought this was a really – I thought he packed quite a bit of information about Tonka into the one tweet and what uh, was good for him in terms of sort of putting his name out there on, on a more national level. I think the big question here locally, Chris, and in the context of this South Carolina football team for 2023 and our discussion on South Carolina's defensive line would be once again, how will how will Tonka be used this season? You know, I, I think we saw him used in various ways last year. Shane Beamer said at, at points earlier this year, hey, we see Tonka, we see Elijah Davis, we see them as defensive tackles. And then you look at the spring, Tonka was out for the spring, but we saw them using their more versatile interior guys in sort of a true defensive end type role or at times in, uh, you know, as an end in a three-man front, basically, to, I guess, try and cover up some of their issues at edge. I think there's a case to be made for, trying to cover up some of your issues stopping the run the last couple of years, Chris, just getting a bigger bodied guy on the field in one of those end spots. So I think the big question moving forward will be how is Tonka used this year? What's best for him? What's best for the defense? What gets the best 11 on the field? Those three questions could have different answers. Yeah, and if you're South Carolina, I don't think you're quite in the ideal world. And what I mean by that is because of your depth issues and your questions at edge, which you could be okay there. If you stay healthy, you can be okay. Picture looks better if you get 
a healthy Jordan Strong stays healthy back. I'm looking at JT Gear Wes as a big addition through the transfer portal for this team. Got some other guys that have played some ball, so there needs to be some internal development over time. You could end up being okay there. Uh, you got to stay healthy. But what I mean by not being in an ideal world is because of those questions, you can't say, all right, we're totally set at edge if you're South Carolina's coaching staff. We feel like Tonka is best as a defensive tackle. That's where we want to slot him. You kind of do have to bear in mind, luckily he's versatile enough to where you're not really playing him out of position. You stick him at edge or some other guys, Elijah Davis, TJ Sanders. But you would rather have that luxury of being able to play him exactly where his best spot is. You, now, the I, what what ends up what would end up being the best case scenario for South Carolina is if the staff feels good enough about your starters and your depth at the edge position that then that's not baked as much into that equation. Now, if you're playing Tonka outside at edge, it's for matchups, or it's because you feel like that's best for him and best for this defense. But the luxury is he can play both, and he can play both quite effectively, I think, Wes. Um, I like the idea of playing him inside just because I think we've seen more of that, and I think particularly in pass rush situations, he can be so disruptive, you know, splitting double teams, rushing the passer. I like that personally the most. The good news is he can help you in a variety of ways if needed. Yeah, and I, I think I, I think it's a shoe-in that, you know, it's third and 11 passing team. I, I think he's an inside guy uh, and, and one of your best inside guys in that scenario. Uh, I think my question, where where is he on first down? Where Where is he on first down on the first play of the 2023 season? Like, I, I think that would be very a, a very interesting question to answer. Uh, let's say, all right, camp starts in two weeks. So, in three weeks, we will have some new info to chew on. Are we talking about how South Carolina has quietly sort of slid into being a, a kind of three-man front defense the way we saw them do quite a bit of in the spring? Or are we talking about how that was just something they did in the spring to kind of get by? I think that for them, if you and I've got the I've got the names pulled up in front of me now. So let let's just assume Tonka Hemingway. This is an easy assumption. Tonka is on the field somewhere. He's a we're assuming everybody's healthy, right? So Tonka's on the field. I'm gonna also assume that if healthy, Jordan Strong is on the field. So then I think your question becomes who's your next best player and then who's your next best player. So let, let's say just for argument's sake, let's say your next best player is Boogie. So you've got Tonka, Boogie, and Strong in our little workshop here on the field. So then your question becomes, is uh, JT Gear your next best player or is TJ Sanders your next best player? If Gear is your next best player, you've got a pretty easy, all right, Tonka and Boogie are inside, Gear and Strong are outside. But if you exit camp and you're like, Tonka, Boogie, TJ Sanders are three of our best four players. Do you have to find a way to get those four guys 
you know, on the field. I also, Chris, going even a little bit deeper, I have slight concerns about the fact that your top interior defensive linemen, none of them are the super big hold up two gaps, just run stuffing monsters. The best guy you have as far as that goes is Nick Barrett. Yep. So how do we get Nick Barrett involved in this thing? Can he take another step forward? Can he be that run stop run stopping guy? Is there a scenario where South Carolina says we got to stop the run better from last year? We're plugging Nick Barrett in the middle of this thing. We're putting Tonka on the outside. We're putting TJ or Boogie at one of the other defensive tackle spots, and we're just saying we're gonna we're gonna smash you up front because that's not something we did enough of last year. Yeah, it's all fascinating questions, and um, I think you hit it right on the head with all the points. You know, I think right now, if I had to kind of handicap it going into preseason camp, I think there are several reasons that you give T.J. Sanders the nod um, as that fourth, or you could probably argue third, maybe second. Defensive player of the spring, right? Yes. And ask anybody who watched spring ball – Offense or defense as far as players, coaches. I mean, people around the program, they're talking up T.J. Sanders. And so certainly if you think about over J.T. Gear, who's a newer addition to the program as a transfer, you give him the edge. Now, could it change? Sure. But point is, I think the expectation is T.J. Sanders is de- absolutely in that top four and going to stay there, and then he might end up being top two, you know, top three as far as we need to find a way to keep this guy on the field. Another part of this is, you know, where does Elijah Davis factor into that? Third down, Brian Thomas Jr. had one of the most impressive spring games you'll ever see. Now, we've seen that movie before about a guy having a great spring game, but can some of that translate? You know, because Brian Thomas Jr. was wrecking shop against a bunch of different guys, so – you're not telling Brian Thomas Jr., all right, for, it's, it's first down or it's it's third and one, go out there and plug the run. But as a pass rusher, you know, where does he fit in? Um, and there are other guys that are interesting too, Tyreek Johnson, Ter- Terrell Dawkins. I mean, there's still other interesting guys on this roster. But T.J. Sanders, I think, is a key to this defense. Mm-hmm. You know, how good how good he can be. I think is really going to lead to answers potentially for some of your other questions. We know what Tonka brings, but TJ taking that on-field leap and becoming a, a real presence, if he can if he can do that and there's some signs of that, I think that could be massively helpful and, and solve some of these personnel and production, more importantly, questions. Yeah, sounds kind of like a roundtable answer too. Maybe we'll look into that. Who is the who is the key to the defense? TJ Certainly a great case to be made there. I, I think there's a case to be made uh, for another guy you mentioned in Elijah Davis, man. Can he – I mean, I, he had a phenomenal spring game as well. Can he be what we saw in the spring game? Can he start pushing for playing time? Is it inside? Is it outside? I thought he looked very comfortable on the outside. If, if he sort of plugs in as an outside guy, does that sort of ease some concerns there where you just say, all right, we're just going to we're going to lean on our depth. We're not going to try to spread these guys out and get them all on the field at the same time. We're going to say, look, we can play Tonka, TJ, Boogie, Nick Barrett. We can play all these guys inside and keep them fresh and keep them rotated in. 
like the big boy SEC teams do and just have, have depth and, and feel good about that. So I, I think there's a lot of options there. But, man, I, I'm with you. Not not that not that Brian Thomas cares at all what I think, but I will readily admit I, you know, I, I'm not a negative guy in the first place. So I, I kind of put guys in two categories, Chris, big picture. If they when they come in, my categories are well, maybe three. My categories are that guy's elite. Um below that would be, oh yeah, that guy's gonna help. And below that would be I'm going to wait. I'm completely wait and see on him because I, I think you should never just count a guy out. We've seen guys come out of nowhere. Yep. You, you do it long enough, you learn that. Readily admit Brian Thomas Jr. was 100% in the wait and see category for me personally. And then I watched him in the spring, not just in the spring game. And I was like, man, this guy has some freaking pass rush juice. So... I, I don't think he's an every-down guy in this league right now by any means. But if you're Carolina, is, is there a scenario here where we just see them say, hey, we're just going to be very multiple up front. We're going to try to max match situations. On first downs, Taka may be here. On third downs, he may be there. Brian Thomas Jr. may be off the field on first and second down. He may be the first guy off the bench on third and long. You know, I, I think that's the maybe the key for South Carolina up front is can you can you mix and match this thing? Look at a guy who's I don't think talked about hardly any, Bam Martin Scott. Can he be maybe a linebacker who plays more of a third down role in that I think Bam has a great sort of pass rush length to him. Long arms, long bodied linebacker can do some different things for you. I think if they're going to be at their best, they're probably going to have to package this thing up based on down, distance, opponents, matchup, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, they are going to have to match it up. And I think at at certain spots, the depth's still a question. At others, maybe you feel even a little bit more flexible this year. You come in knowing that there's some issues that you need to solve. Um a couple of them are what Shane Beamer has pointed to consistently. And he did this the other day, Wes, at a talk that he gave to some Texas, I guess it was high school coaches in Texas. And he's used this word before, but embarrassing, embarrassingly bad talking about South Carolina's need to be better turning the football over and, and creating more turnovers, but especially offensively, the number of turnovers they have. Um, it's been not good, right? You're at the bottom of the conference. There's just no way to sugarcoat it. It's been bad. But also stopping the run and running the football better. And so when you think defensively stopping the run, that's been an issue that we've talked about a lot. There's been so much conversation, I think, Wes, in the last two years about the offense that, yeah, you know, sometimes a game happens and there's a good bit of paying conversation about the defense, but it's, it's almost gotten lost at times that stopping the run is something that this team needs to get a lot better at. And we'll see what it looks like. But when you're talking about some of these personnel combinations, I think the staff is going to build in, how do we stop the run better? And, and that's got to be your starting point. You know, a lot of talk about pass rush, edge rushers. That's, of course, an important area, too. That's another area you got to get better. 
you got to start though with stopping the run. That's your number one priority. So I think everything is going to need to flow from that. And it seems that that's the approach that they're taking up front too. Certainly, man. Uh, so, hey, for the second straight week, Chris, uh, let's go ahead and invite one of our newest sponsors here on the show. That is Bird Dogs. And uh, I know, Chris, you got to experience the Bird Dogs for the first time last week. You got your free um, Yeti style, are we allowed to say that, cup? Yep. Um, hey, I've been using that thing a lot. Oh, yeah. Uh, I actually, actually, I'm not using it right now because I, I figured I needed to wash the thing. I've, I've been using it so much. Um, but I've been using it for my water. Definitely keeps things cold. If you go to birddogs.com slash Gamecocks and enter the promo code, this is very easy to remember, guys, promo code Gamecocks at checkout, you'll get a free 20-ounce Yeti-style tumbler with your purchase. And, hey, man, these shorts, I fully admit I'd never worn bird dogs before. Super comfortable, liner built in, and for someone who normally when I don't have to go out into public, and sometimes when I do, I was going to say, yeah, the, the athleisure <laughs> at all yes. times to the point that sometimes I get made fun of. I am loving the athleisure interior of the shorts with the khaki exterior of the bird dogs. They are phenomenal, and I have been telling since we got our pairs, Wes, I've been singing the praises of bird dogs to every dude that I see. Mike, y'all have got to check these out. Been telling them about the promo code. It's been cool to see too, Wes. We shared this all with our members on the Insiders Forum and found out that we already had some bird dogs fans on GamecockCentral.com's Insiders Forum um, who then took advantage of the promo code to order some more and then get their free Yeti-style tumblers. So reviews have been great, great company, and the shorts are absolutely outstanding. Uh, also got a pair of the pants, which I don't, I don't know if you've tried those on, Wes. Those are also awesome. So I have been absolutely wearing out not only the free Yeti-style tumbler that you get for free with promo code Gamecocks, but the Bird Dog shorts as well. I've been wearing them as close to every day as I can get away with. You do like the cup. You do need to wash them sometimes. Yes, yes. But they are outstanding. No doubt. Shout out to Bird Dogs. We'll keep telling you about them throughout the next uh, couple of weeks and hopefully longer than that. Um, all right. Fre freshmen among this bunch, Chris. Let's, uh, we we kind of got into the edge group too, so let's just go ahead. Let's just lump them all together. But Xavier McLeod, a guy that really came in and, and kind of, I think found himself, found a comfort level very early on. So that was a good sign for South Carolina as far as increasing that depth on the defensive line. Tell you the guy we didn't really get to see in the spring game, we would have loved to see was Des U. And, you know, I, I'll I'll be very curious, Chris, to see how, how good of an offseason has he had. Has he been able to take another step forward? I think you look at that edge spot, adding gear was obviously massive there, but you kind of have two guys who I think are going to possibly round out this depth chart that are on different ends of the spectrum and in terms of just their careers and sort of what's going to be expected of them. And I completely lost my uh, thing I was looking at. But as far as freshmen go, 
Umio Zulu, it, I mean, he, this is sort of the guy. If a freshman is going to play at that spot, yeah. Um, you know, we know all about the, the Montague Rames situation. You would have circled him coming in as maybe being a guy who could play. But now, um, you know, you, you kind of, I think, have Desu, true freshman, super bright future, everything's ahead of him. And then, you know, I, I think you have a guy like Tyreek Johnson who you're sitting there saying he can maybe be that third or fourth guy who's just a veteran for you can come in, maybe play 10 snaps a game, and kind of hold down the fort for you. Yeah, and I think that's how I look at it with Terrell Dawkins, too. You know, um, Dawkins has unfortunately, whether it was at NC State or when he got to South Carolina, you know, that was the guy we were looking at last year going, all right, how much can this guy help? He, he's shown some traits in practice that you like. He, he's got size, but unfortunately he got hurt and that, you know, really kept him out a great portion of the year. So that's why we say, I mean, AWS, you need this group to stay healthy, right? There have been some injury concerns for several of these guys at the edge position. But I think Yumi Azulu is the guy that, you know, he, he might end up landing in that same range as some of the veterans as maybe he gives you 10 snaps a game. If that's, if that's the case, that might be good enough for year one. Um, but I think you would feel great if by the time preseason's over, you feel like he is ready to play because that's another guy you can rely on for some depth. If you get more than you know, 10, 15 snaps a game out of him, if you feel like he's ready to take on a bigger role, then great. Um, but he's the guy that you point to there. Xavier McLeod, Wes. So let me go back to your categories that you mentioned earlier. McLeod is a guy that I have had from an athletic standpoint, a physical standpoint. I didn't really have questions there. My question, you know, I had some other questions to where he was a little bit more of a wait and see for me. And, and especially in year one. Well, some of the returns we heard during spring had me shifting my thinking on that to where now you're thinking, could this guy play five or ten snaps a game for you? And we'll see in preseason. Does he continue down that path? Is there a, a stall? Is there a regression? I don't know. I can't answer that. Probably nobody can. But I think he's someone that you also watch. For me, he's gone into that guy's probably redshirting, going to take some time to, hey, maybe he can help you some in year one. And if that ends up being the case, that's nothing but a positive, I think. And another sort of little thing to remember there too, man, different defensive line coach. So, you know, I, I think our, our indications were certainly that he had impressed with what he did in the spring and was in in line to be very much in the rotation. But, yeah, you got a new coach, might be looking for slightly different things, got to impress the new guy, got to build the relationship. So we'll see where that goes. But not, not a bad situation for Carolina – on the interior D-line, or really for Zay McLeod himself to know you got some guys ahead of you, you got some guys to learn from, but you're at least in that conversation, you're at least in that rotation. And from a Carolina perspective, you're going, this guy with as much talent as he has could be our starting the year as our fifth or sixth type player at that position. That's a pretty good situation to be in, I think, and, and we'll see if they can kind of build – off of that, um, we'll we'll see on um, 
we'll see on the other guys, like you said, Terrell Dawkins. He, you know, he had a pretty solid spring game two years ago. Um, or one year ago, but two seasons ago. Right. And, you know, we were like you said, man, we were circling him. We were saying, hey, can can this guy help? And so I mean, by all indications, Sterling Luke does a great job with these guys. The ones that um, do everything that's asked of them seem to make progress under him. We'll see what happens. How quickly can Gear pick this thing up? And what are expectations for Gear? Is another just key storyline for them going into this season, I think. I, I think it would be great if Gear, by the middle or the end of preseason camp, you feel like he's the starter. I think opposite of Jordan Strong. I, I really think that's your best-case scenario. Um, he started all but one game, I believe, at Syracuse last season. He's still a relatively young player, but he's someone that has starter potential, starter capability. He's done it at a Power 5 level. I get the ACC jokes that people in the comments may throw our way. That's cool. I get it. But Carolina needs not only depth help there, Wes, and at the minimum, JT Gear is going to be a depth guy for you and probably a good one at that. But you also have some questions in terms of your starters, right? You you know, Jordan Strong's coming back for an injury. He was a starter at the beginning of the year. The other two guys, Gilbert Edmond, Jordan Birch, playing for other schools right now. So um, you do have some questions there. And I think you feel as long as Strong's healthy, he is definitely one of your starters. But you have some questions other than that. So – I think Gear is the guy that I point to on the roster, West. That if you say who who makes sense to be another starter, what's your ideal world? Factoring in who who you would like to be your depth guys, who you would like to play situationally, he's the one that I point to because of size, skill set, experience, potential. He's the one I would point to that you would like to probably. I'm, I'm guessing on on the part of the staff here, he's the one you'd like to have make that leap pretty quickly. One more note I wanted to hit on Tonka before we kind of moved on from all this. I, I guess I knew this, but I, I don't know if I if it really stood out to me, but I was just reading through his bio. Has appeared in 36 games over the past three seasons, making a dozen starts. So, you know, for a guy playing on the inside, we, we know how much we know how just physically taxing it is. Even just your, your hands, man, your hands, your fingers are just getting banged on helmets and you know just a constant battle throughout a game throughout practice throughout off season and we know Tonka missed the spring and he's had some little things that have had to be cleaned up here and there as far as during the off season but his availability and toughness to find a way to be on the field has been another excellent trait for him was um you know Second team, third team, all SEC last year, outstanding student athlete award, fall academic honor roll, 2022 Harold White GPA award, defense. But I go back to 2021 Gamecock toughness award for defense. Sometimes the best trait can be your availability, being being able to play, being able to find the field for your team. You know for a fact he's probably been out there less than 100%. So to, to find a way to get on the field and help your team is another trait that will obviously help him, help the Gamecocks, but I think will help his draft stock moving forward as well. 
Yeah, again, just a guy that has done everything right, has been available, hopefully, for him, for this team. That remains the case, obviously. But it's an interesting stat, too, about the amount of games that he started, right? Not right around, what, a full one full season's worth of games. That's going to change this year. That ratio is going to go up, uh, I very much think. So a critical part of this team who's going to who's had an important role but is about to see his role go up even more in terms of its importance and, and I think frankly his impact too. No doubt man. Um all right, before we close out with a couple of SEC media days thoughts as always want to tell you about our friends at Liberty Tax right here in the Columbia area. Overcome your tax anxiety if uh, if you have tax anxiety right now Probably not a great sign. It's not tax season. If you do, you certainly need to call Liberty Tax. 803-462-5576. Three convenient locations right here in the Midlands. And Chris, you actually met with the team at Liberty Tax here recently. How was the experience, man? I did, and that was recently. So let me get out in front of this. You had some taxiety. Well, you're just getting ahead. I was getting ahead of my taxiety. I definitely don't have it. If there are any hints, I snuffed them out. Larry and his team doing a great job. Um, I'm not. Don't I'm not behind on my taxes. Everything's good. If the government you're ahead on your taxes, I'm ahead on them. I'm I'm game planning already for next year. Which is hey, that's just one of the many things they can do for you there whether it's actually tax time or whether it's planning ahead, go meet with Liberty Tax, Larry and their team. They do an outstanding job. I appreciated his time, and uh, we got a game plan together, so I feel great. that There will be no tax society next next year, Wes. Uh, I feel completely comfortable with that. Yeah, I need to make that happen too, man. Um, but, yeah, if, if you're out there and maybe, maybe you've had some changes in life and you want to kind of get ahead on what your tax changes might be, uh, give them a shout, man. They can definitely take care of you. Chris, SEC Media Days are rolling. I don't know. I guess it's something to talk about. I, I I think we'll get – I said this on air earlier today, man, on the radio. If there's any news from a South Carolina standpoint, it will come in that local media gaggle with Beamer because most of the stuff asked in the big boy rooms where it's hundreds of people in there and it's people from all over – will be questions that are either those things where they're just asking every coach the same thing. What do you think of the transfer portal window? What do you think of NIL? What do you think of, you know, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, we'll get, what, like an, you know, an injury update or all yeah. the guys that were expected back going to be ready to go day one of fall practice. Um, and has anybody left the team? Um what, what's the latest on Montague's situation? And, of course, that probably will not be answered. But, it, I mean, may, maybe we get a little bit new in that, probably. Otherwise, I, I think the big room stuff, you, you don't get a ton out of that. No, it, you won't in, unless there's something big going on. And I'll give one example of that from Media Days. They're not big, but something a little bit more significant of a question. South Carolina doesn't have that going on as much right now. So, yes, Beamer will get transfer portal, NIL questions. Uh, a lot of them probably be the same thoughts we've heard, and, and that's fine. Not begrudging the, the question or Beamer for answering it the same way. It's just we've heard a good bit of that already. Um, it'll be how have you seen Spencer Rattler grow over the past year, et cetera, et cetera. What, you know, 
probably he's Beamer's still young of enough a head coach, Wes, of what have you learned since you became a head coach? I mean, you're going to get all those typical things. One interesting example, Wes, and this is noteworthy, I think. A&M, Jimbo Fisher, who's up there now. Lots of words per minute by Jimbo Fisher with the way he talks. He was asked about Bobby Petrino and whether or not Petrino will call plays. Now, that this has been a big storyline in Aggieland. A lot of Aggie fans want Jimbo Fisher to give up play calling. Hey, man, you need to turn over the reins. It's time because it's become a little stagnant. So in comes Bobby Petrino, who is an interesting guy, but is a phenomenal play caller. And so this was kind of a signal of maybe, hey, it looks like he's bringing in Bobby Petrino. Now, will he turn the keys over? So he was asked, and this is per Brett McMurphy. He said, I'm, he was asked if, if Bobby Petrino will call plays. I'm not going to get into that. Bobby was hired for a reason. Tremendous guy, tremendous football mind. Hopefully he'll call the game and have suggestions. So, at least, Jimbo, at least not publicly, it's kind of weird. If you were if you were going to turn the keys over fully to Bobby Petrino, wouldn't you just say it? And why are you not turning over the keys to Bobby Petrino? Because he's probably a better play caller than you even, you know? So, maybe that's the reason, you know? So, I think that's kind of a fascinating A&M. They've got, Wes, a little buzz, right? Phil Steele calling them a national title dark horse. They're getting a little bit of national publicity. Certainly, they're going to be a talented team. But that, to me, was one of the questions. And Jimbo's answer today is going to cause some discussion, I think. Hopefully. What What is that? Hopefully, he'll call the game. And Hopefully, have, he'll call the game and okay. have suggestions. Yeah. <laughs> what? I, I don't understand why coaches talk like this. They they there's something ingrained in them where some of them cannot help themselves, I suppose. So it is literally your decision of whether he's gonna call the plays or not. If <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully he's gonna call <laughs> Yeah. I'm sure if you tell him to call plays, he's gonna call the plays. If you don't, he's not. That's logical. It is. So, it will remain a mystery for now. Yeah. And but that is an example. That's an example of a bigger picture, more important answer that sometimes you do get up there on the big stage. But, again, I can't think of anything, Wes, that would come up where we're going to get a great topical question and answer for Beamer up on the big stage. But I'm looking forward, more so than the big stage, to the smaller – uh, gaggles, like you said, the small meat, small local market media stuff. We'll, we'll be able to glean, I think, some things from that from the, from our team that's down there later this week. Uh, Will says, what's the over-under on Oklahoma questions for Rattler? You know, Will, I think, I think far less than what it would have been this time last year. There would have been a ton this time last year. Oh. You know, Oklahoma's not on the schedule for South Carolina this year. If they were, that would have been a huge question. The fact he's been here at South Carolina for a year, he's done lots of other interviews. I, I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna be a huge thing. And I think 
I think Spencer will be adequately prepared to completely dodge those questions, honestly. Like, I I don't think he's going to give anything to sort of fuel that. I think he'll turn it back around to, to South Carolina. Now, will there be tons of questions about the scheme? Was it like under Dow Loggins? You know, all that stuff? Uh, of course. I mean, we when we talked to Spencer last week, we even asked it again. So, you have to ask stuff like that. The Oklahoma stuff for the most part, I think, is pretty much over. Chris, who who do you have in the West? Have you given any thought to – I know you're talking about A&M having a little bit of buzz. Have you given some thought to LSU, Alabama, sort of where things would be there? As far as uh, pecking order? Yes. You know, that, that's fascinating. We were talking about this. We were talking about this on the GC Takeover on 107.5, weren't we? As far as um, is Bama getting a little bit of the Bama benefit of a doubt of the doubt? Or should LSU, has LSU earned that distinction? And you made a great point in that Bama has some quarterback questions. Um, you know, some people think Ty Simpson's going to be the guy. We'll, we'll see. But Bryce Young is gone. It's not going to be Bryce Young. It's not going to be anybody close to Bryce Young for now. Um, not to take away from anybody else's talent on that quarterback roster, but it's not going to be a Bryce Young. So, honestly, Wes, I think you may have to give the edge right now to LSU preseason. That may quickly change, you know, based on, you know, we may watch a couple games each from each of those teams, week one, week two. And we may say, man, Bama looks good. Let's all change our picks. And we might end up doing that. But you may, if you're just if you're just on papering it, taking into account the end of last year, taking into account the questions, maybe you say LSU. Is that where you're at with it? Or I am. I mean, I think college football media in general, it's very reactionary to things. So LSU, LSU actually. Hey, reminder, LSU won the West last year. So every should matter. Yeah, they're they're going to be picked to win the West. I, I think they'll be picked again. I, I think they got a little boost whenever you have a new coach. There's a lot of extra excitement, especially when you're coming into a program that does have some talent, and we know that they do and did. Add a new quarterback transfer, boom, you take off, have a little luck along the way, and you you, you may LSU maybe is a little bit overvalued too. But I look at – so now people are saying it, it's kind of – LSU would be the trendy pick, but then it's also going to be trendy to, for people to say, oh, you can never count out Alabama or we're not burying Alabama yet. My thing, when Bama has been at their best, and that's obviously lately, they have had a dynamic quarterback. This is not the Alabama program that we saw – in the early to mid years of Saban's run where he just said, we're going to lock you down with great defense and not turn the ball over on offense. We've seen Saban sort of make that change to having a dynamic offense as well. However, that's been with a dynamic quarterback. And so it's one of these guys ready to take over and be anything close to what Bryce Young or Tua, you know, or any of those guys were, I think that's a big question. Now, am I am I ready to say A&M is going to be the one to step up? Probably not. 
Um, does, can Auburn play spoiler this year with the new coach? Where does Ole Miss rank in all this? I mean, there's a lot of fun, fun topics out there to sort of uh, see how it's going to play out. On paper, you got to go LSU and Bama at the top. I, I think LSU bringing back their quarterback deserves to be number one entering the season. And then, as weird as it is to say, Bama will have to take that from them. Yeah, I mean, you, you typically, Wes, if you win the SEC West, you're going to have a great shot to play for a title. That's the bottom line. If you win the SEC East, you're going to have a good shot to play for a national title. And if you go back and look, I mean, the, the teams that have won the conference and then that have won, gone on to win a national title, you know, they typically, like you said, have that dynamic quarterback. It, the, this, Hopefully, Stetson Bennett from Georgia, there is some revisionist history there, right? Because some people – he still, for some reason, had the game manager tag attached to him, and we know that that was wrong for whoever did that. Um, I undervalued Stetson Bennett for a long time. He was a dynamic quarterback, bottom line, and then Georgia was um, excellent around him, but – Go back and look. I mean, Alabama with Bryce Young in 2020, LSU with Joe Burrow, Clemson had Trevor Lawrence. At one point, they had Deshaun Watson. Then you had, um, shoot, who else was out there? Jalen Hurts from Bama. You know, you typically get dynamic quarterbacks. I mean, the, the last one, what, maybe Jake Coker at Bama was probably the last one where you're like, that's not as dynamic of a quarterback. You need one nowadays. And so, until Bama can find that, I think there's some reason to be a little bit skeptical, which sounds strange, doubting Bama, doubting Saban, but that's an area where they're going to have to show that they've got the guy at that key key position. Certainly, man. So, all right, South Carolina not going until later this week, so we still have a couple of days till that. Of course, we'll have complete coverage of that and more on Gamecock Central leading in, during, and after um, I think we're going to get out of here for today, but be on the lookout as we get into preseason and then regular season. Certainly we'll have many more episodes of GC Live than we've had during the offseason. So looking forward to that. Appreciate y'all joining us. Appreciate all of our sponsors. As always, for Chris Clark, I am Wes Mitchell. We'll see y'all very soon. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.